there's a big tax thing about to happen. And if you own property in Louisville, there's a good chance it's going to affect you. Up next on the Access Louisville podcast, we're going to be talking to property valuations administrator Colleen Younger for some details on what's going on. Stay tuned. Thanks for joining us. My name is David Mann, and joining me today is Jason Thomas. Good to be here. Marty Finley. How's it going? And Colleen Younger. Hello there. Thanks for joining us, Colleen. Access Louisville is a weekly podcast from Louisville Business First. Each week, we bring you the latest news, mixed with plenty of sharp opinions on what's going on in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, brought Colleen on today because this tax, uh, this tax reassessment People probably aren't talking about it now, but I bet they're going to be talking about it in a, a couple of weeks, uh, you know, as, as some of this starts rolling out. So, uh, Colleen, I guess for people who aren't familiar with assessments and reassessments, uh, I guess start there. What are some of the things, what's your office working on right now? So what we are working on is we're working on a very large property reassessment. Um, we do the value here at the PVA and then we send it off and uh, that's converted to the tax roll. Yeah. Um, so what, what, are, what is a reassessment? A reassessment is, or what is an assessment? Assessment is a sort of a, uh, it's a, it's a uh, an assessment of the value of your, of your property. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the PVA is responsible by law, it's a state law, to uh, assess all property at fair cash value. So how do we get that? Well, we get that through doing a an analysis of what's going on in the local market mm-hmm. and what homes are selling for in different areas. And as you know, there are some, you know, in real estate, location is everything. And so some areas are certainly uh, busier and more active markets than other areas. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, me and Jason, uh, we're talking right before you jumped on, uh, I guess there's a lot of factors in this, but uh, he had just had his house reassessed. So is that is, you know, Jason, you were curious about that, right? Yeah, the the refinancing, like so many people have done, to take advantage of interest rates. So how does that, yeah, affect the analysis? And okay, well, there's a big difference between what we do and an actual appraisal. Mm-hmm. An appraisal is obviously a look at a single home uh, in comparison to what has sold uh, for the purpose of a refi or a buyer uh, uh, obtaining that property. Our assessments are based on what is called mass appraisal. So we look at areas in general. Rather than individual properties. It's a blanket inspection. So um, which neighborhoods are affected in this, uh, you know, this year, I guess? Uh, We're actually doing areas two, three, five, and seven, which are very dense portions of the inner city and uh, the county. It takes in neighborhoods like Germantown, Schnitzelburg, Smoketown, Shelby Park, Butchertown, Clifton, Crescent Hill, St. Matthews, uh, the South End area in and around uh, Iroquois Park, Auburndale, and all the way over then to Fairdale, and then out to Jefferson Town, and some areas in and around J-Town, like uh, there's a neighborhood out there for, uh, let's see, it's called Houston Acres, right there mm-hmm. on Gillesville Road before you get into J-Town. Areas like that leading into J-Town will be reassessed. 
So you named a lot of like uh, really up and coming neighborhoods there with Butchertown and, uh, and of course St. Matthew's not up and coming, but a very uh, 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 thriving neighborhood. So, uh, you know, th- does that like factor into, uh, um, you know, how your uh, how the, the prices may fluctuate to, see, to have that reassessed in a, uh, an up and coming kind of place? So some of these areas, as as we know, in recent years in the inner city, have really uh, been turning over, and a lot of a lot of activity in the market there, like in Schitzelberg. Uh, now it's moved across Shelby Street. That uh, sort of uh, hot spot is moving now mm-hmm. to Shelby Street uh, across Shelby, taking in now Shelby Park. In mm-hmm. fact, I was driving through Shelby Park today, and I mean, there are like dumpsters all over the place trying, uh, I guess, you know, with people renovating homes. Over oh, there. okay. Yeah. I got and, um, and then we uh, were able to make a change that has kind of slowed the impact uh, of this restoration on the longtime property owner in some of these areas. So I'll let Jason explain exactly what they did in creating a technology piece that now makes a more fair and accurate comparison. Yeah, Jason, if you just want to give your name and title one time uh, and get a little closer to the mic when you're talking, um, so that way uh, uh, people know who's talking. Uh, Um, Thanks, Colleen. When Colleen came into office, you know, we started going back to the originally planned subdivisions. Um, Mm -hmm. What does that mean? The neighborhoods more accurately reflect um, the value of your home. You know, some of the areas we had before were would include maybe 3,000, you know, different types of property. Um, so, you know, some areas that could be really uh, moving at a fast pace would be compared to some areas that may not be moving as fast, kind of suppressing some values and raising some above where they need to hmm. be. And then also with moving to a renovated house type, uh, you know, in those fast moving neighborhoods, uh, we've really seen that, the, you know, what they'll sell for originally and then the, that second sale after renovation are vastly different. Um, we didn't want to use those comparison for the ones that hadn't been renovated. Yeah. And so the process that, that you were talking about, um, that keeps it so that people who maybe haven't renovated their house and they're right. in an up-and-coming neighborhood, that way they aren't taxed out of that neighborhood? Is that exactly. the, the objective of that program? That's, so. that's exactly right. And, and that has been a, a you know something we've heard about with gentrification and, and that sort of thing in these right, different neighborhoods. Right. And, and, you know, and, and so particularly in, in some areas where – you know, uh, there is marginal income and, uh, you know, maybe a, a, a population, you know, that has been there for a long time that are on fixed incomes. And um, and so, you know, the, the restoration of that area uh, could, could potentially displace people mm-hmm. and place, like you said, place them out of their homes. So this feature uh, on that we're now, or characteristic that we've now created, uh, isolates, in, in a sense, I guess, uh, the remodeled homes from the unremodeled home. Okay. And so if you live, uh, say, for instance, in Shelby Park and, you know, you're on a fixed income, you have deferred your maintenance for many years and, you know, you don't have all of the bells and whistles that some of these uh, flippers and investors are coming in, putting mm-hmm. into these homes, uh, that is not going to drive your property value up. We're going to be able to make your comparison to another home that is very much like yours in unremodeled condition. Uh, I'll let uh, our reporter Marty Finley get a word in edgewise here. Sorry, Marty, we went on a little tangent there, but uh... 
Yeah, uh, Colleen, I was kind of curious. I know we've talked about this uh, previously, but can you uh, kind of lay out how many total properties are going to be asset rate being reassessed this year, and kind of how much of that uh, represents the entire housing stock and property stock in the county? Okay. Well, there's somewhere around is it 285,000 properties, Jason? Yes. We have about 285,000 uh, properties in Jefferson County. Somewhere uh, about 24, 25,000 of those are commercial. The rest are residential. So we are assessing uh, probably upward to 120,000 properties in Jefferson County. There's two ways to appeal. You can go to our website, which is again, jeffersonpba.ky.gov. We have a very user-friendly online tool that uh, is very easy to get through and navigate through. You can upload your documentation right into that uh, function on our computer, on the online uh, resource. Or if you're not as sure about uh, getting through that uh, online piece, you can call us and make a teleconference uh, appointment. Um, I feel like this is a, it's, it's a funny thing because you're probably walking a line between you as a as a homeowner, you want your house to be valued highly, uh, but as a person paying taxes, you want your house to be valued lower. Uh, so, is that I, I, maybe you don't know? But do people do, does this hurt you in the long run if you try and sell your house later that year? If you, if you ended up with a lower um, appraisal from you guys, actually, I, I don't think it does. Uh, I mean. It, I don't think they look as much at our assessments as they do, like for instance, for the, appraisal bank, or the bank appraisal, because yeah. you know every if you're doing financing on a property, every every uh, loan is going to require an appraisal. Yeah. Well, Colleen, right. a quick question: Once yeah. the uh, once the assessments are, are finalized and you know the ink is dry, what is the financial impact? on the city in terms of tax revenue, you mentioned some of these neighborhoods that are really hot. I imagine the property taxes go up. What is the, what is the financial impact of that for the city? And what does the city do with that revenue? That's a, that's a great question. Uh, so this year I'll kind of break it down. We've got four areas that are very dense areas that are under reassessment. So that is uh, adding all of those areas together mm-hmm. are adding about 5.3 billion dollars to the tax row this year billion Um, with a b pardon billion with a b billion with a b billion wow Uh, very significant then it is a very significant because uh david it's a very large area Mm -hmm. so and take you're taking in uh you know the densest area of the inner city and then sure. you're taking in the dense, some of the densest area of the county as well. So the biggest portion of that money goes to fund public schools, and uh, and so we've got public school out of that out of that money. We've got fire districts out of that money. Very important basic services, and then other uh, infrastructure type uh, uh, funding comes from that tax roll. Yeah. And we talk about public safety, education all the time on the show. And, uh, you know, this is kind of the, the root of that, you know, just uh, making right. sure that those get funded. So, yeah. well, I think that is all our questions. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on. Actually, uh, I had one quick one, David. Oh, Marty's got one more. Never <laughs> mind. Go ahead. Here's Marty. <laughs> um, 
I just wanted to touch on the impact that COVID's had on the calendar. I know that you had to modify the schedule, yeah. the reassessment a little bit. And also you told me that there's some certain category of properties it's not going to be uh, part of the reassessment. So could you just kind of fill us in on that? Absolutely. Thank you for asking that question. I was going to bring it up, but you asked it, you asked it first. So thank you so much. Um, so obviously, you know, the pandemic has caused all of us to really have to do things a little differently. We've adjusted to it in, in a different way as well. Uh, but this year, um, we are we are leaving value. We're not changing the value of hotels, hospitality, uh, many of the event venues, and uh, what's the other one? Too? Retail. And retail. Uh, so we, we have kind of left those values flat until next year. We'll take another look at them next year. Uh, just because of the impact of these uh, of the pandemic on you know sit down restaurants, sure. uh, hospitality industry, hotels. I mean, literally, you know, they have been empty for over a year now. So we uh, we are trying to uh, give them another year to recover from the pandemic, and hopefully next year they'll be back on on track to be reassessed. All right, Marty, you got anything else? I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> All right. I didn't want to cut you off again. Well, Colleen, thanks very much for, uh, for coming on and, and, uh, walking us through some of that. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm sure your, your office is probably, it sounds like you got a big job and going to be a busy, uh, next couple of months. <laughs> so, uh, Marty and Jason Thomas stick around, but uh, we'll let you guys go. Okay, guys. Thank you all so all right. much. So that, uh, I guess we'll switch gears here a little bit and we'll talk, uh, just one more quick topic. That's all we got. Uh, we'll talk about uh, the vaccine news that we got this week. Actually, it's uh, it's COVID restriction news. Marty, I'll let you explain it. So what, what is the governor's uh, new goal? So, yeah, we were all kind of been wondering, you know, what, what will it take to get back to normal, to get rid of the restrictions? And the governor had really not given any kind of roadmap. We, you know, we thought it might be coming with the opening up of all the vaccines to all the age groups. Mm-hmm. So it did, you know, shortly after that happened and shortly after actually the day that the Cardinal Stadium vaccination site opened up, uh, the governor shared that he's got a new thing called the Team Kentucky Vaccination Challenge. So he's tying restrictions to this vaccination goal of 2.5 million uh, doses. So, you know, 2.5 million people get at least the first dose. They don't have to be fully vaccinated, just the first dose. So that at least they're in the pop line, uh, that he will lift most of the restrictions. And that'd be including capacity restrictions on bars and restaurants, retail, anything like that, but also the social distancing requirements, which I was a little shocked to see. I, you know, I thought the capacity restrictions may come before the social distancing, but that's kind of all being packaged together. Mm-hmm. Now, that's for businesses and venues of a thousand people or fewer. So most bar, I think pretty much any bar and restaurant would fit in there. But, yeah. you know, we probably won't be going to see like giant concerts. Fully packed yeah, so that, yeah, exactly. Right away, mm-hmm. even when we hit that goal, uh, there will be some capacity restrictions on mass gatherings, and the mask mandate will probably still be around for a little bit. But you know, I think that's a huge news, especially the, removing the social distancing requirement. Which yeah, you know, we've heard capacity. from we've heard from the CDC that you know, once you're fully vaccinated, you don't really have to worry as much about social distancing uh, and masking if you're around other fully vaccinated people. So, you know. It's good, I guess, to have something to work toward. Uh, we're right around 1.6 million, so we still got a lot of ground to make up to get to that. But the governor said, you know, we, he'd like to be there in six weeks, yeah, or if not sooner. So, you know, we'll see 
as uh, you know, we were getting uh, Colonel Stadium wrapped up. They've got 28 lanes, which is kind of mind-boggling. You can go through uh, to get vaccinated. So hopefully they'll be able to get a lot of people going there. Um, but uh, I think you know it was just something to work toward. And I've talked to several businesses. Pretty much everybody I'm talking to now, I'm asking them about the vaccination challenge, their thoughts on it. Mm-hmm. And everybody I've talked to so far said, you know, this is what we needed. We needed something to work toward. We need a common goal. Um, to work toward, and they're hoping that that goal will incentivize people to get vaccinated. So we'll see. What are the yeah. what are the odds the governor is going to keep his promise? And is this a moving goal with cases spiking in parts <laughs> of the country? Are we going to come back? I bet he could revisit it. Uh, I don't think so. I mean, obviously, if we see a giant spike, we really haven't. I mean, we, I think we've sort of plateaued, but we haven't mm-hmm. seen that. You know what Michigan's dealing with, and yeah. some other states. But you know, obviously, there, you know, things could change. But I feel like it's. Right now, it's on pretty solid ground. Uh, they, Dr. Stack, you know, said that there's some science tied to this about, you know, getting closer to herd immunity. So, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully we don't see that surge uh, that some other states are yeah, seeing. Michigan is worrying me. I mean, just how crazy it went up there. And I guess it's maybe a variant or, or a vacation season. I know a lot of people go to the. Yeah, and I think but... I saw that the, the governor had asked for some like federal assistance to help with the surge uh, to kind of. I think she asked for more vaccines up there. Yeah, I think that's the Biden what was, administration she... said no. <laughs> so <laughs> at least that's what I read. Oh, I mean, I, obviously, I'm not going to say anything set in stone with the COVID 19 vaccine because everything's been upended about normal off. But, you know, yeah. I think I'm, I'm cautiously, I'll say cautiously optimistic that we can hit the goal in a reasonable amount of time and that, you know, the governor will uh, yeah. adhere to his word and and uh, lift a lot of those restrictions. Well, I I tell you this, I did a report this morning uh, about a poll done by the Foundation for a Healthy Kentucky. Uh, It said that about 70% of Kentuckians said they would probably or definitely get the vaccine, uh, which would get us barely to that herd immunity threshold. And then 50% of the people, or roughly 50% of the people who said they probably wouldn't or definitely wouldn't, said they could be convinced to get the vaccine. So maybe that gets us a little uh, higher. So I mean, there's There was only like a, a small segment that were like a definite no, we're not doing that. So, um, so there's kind of, you know, seems like there's a reason to be optimistic there. Uh, and if Bashir's just talking about the first shot, come on, that's the easy one. No one has side effects on the first shot. No, I'm just kidding. Some people do. <laughs> Some people do. Jason raises his hand. Um, yeah. First uh, one got me. The second one's a breeze. <laughs> it's funny because I was the exact opposite. The first one was nothing. And then the second one, I, I had all the, the usual. Well, I, I'm like the the really outlier because I had no side effects on either one of them. Well, so, some you're people a machine, that did. You're not yeah. Made yeah, nobody can I stop had a, <laughs> I, had a, I had arm soreness. So I, I guess I had something. I'm glad. Yeah. Facts don't love them. Like, I'm glad at least my arm was sore because then I'd be like, did I even get the vaccine? Like, was my, was my empty or something? Yeah. So, I, I, the joke I made all weekend when I was, uh, you know, I had a fever and, um, chills and stuff and i was like they must have gave me corona extra uh like the beer uh so <laughs> um but uh yeah it was uh you know that first one didn't do anything to me so uh i was glad that at least i when i had the second one and i had the uh the reaction i was like well it's definitely they get they put something in there because something you know 
uh, going on. But uh, um, anyway, that's uh, I think that's it for this week's show. Uh, unless you guys have anything else to add on the vaccine front, I don't think so. All right. Uh, well, I'll uh, I'll we'll go around the room, and uh, you guys can share your social media handles. Uh, where can people find you on uh, on the internet and uh, and fuss at you? <laughs> Jason, start with you. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter uh, and uh, Instagram at Scoop Thomas. And I'm active on LinkedIn under my name, Jason Thomas. All right, Marty. Yeah, I'm at BF Lou Marty on Twitter. That's where I'm most active. I'm also on LinkedIn under my name. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram under the name DMAN3001. Uh, if you like what you hear, consider listening to this podcast on popular podcast services like Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Thank you very much, Jason. Thank you, Marty. Thank you, Colleen, who's uh, not on the show now, but uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, thank you guys for listening at home. Boy, I got a lot of people to thank. Uh, <laughs> we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you, David. See, see ya. <laughs>